What's going on? Welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. We have finally made it to the seeding games after the Pelicans rolled through the scrimmage games going 3-0. They are back in action tonight. They're going to kick things off in the seeding games on TNT. And speaking of NBA on TNT, joining us now is NBA on TNT reporter Jared Greenberg. He will have the second game of the doubleheader between the Lakers and the Clippers at 8 p.m. Central as TNT is the exclusive home of the league season restart, including Pelicans and Jazz at 5.30 p.m. Central. Jared, I appreciate the time. I really can't believe we made it to this point. It seems like forever ago that, you know, we had these games in March, then the uncertainty of whether we would have a season. Now that you're in the bubble and we're kind of doing this whole social distancing thing, it's just nice to be talking about some actual games come tonight. How are you? You know, I'm I, I'm right there with you, man. I, I'm so fired up for this. Um, you know, I I didn't know like you if we would get to this point, and even as we built closer and closer, I didn't want to like get too excited uh, because you know so many things could go wrong, and and uh, you know I'm just you know I'm so excited to see Zion back on the court Thursday, and then you know Lakers and Clippers, the marquee matchup in the NBA right now, to to, to be able to sit courtside and watch that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all we could ask for at this point. Absolutely. And I know you are inside the bubble there. You've been quarantining for most of it as of now. Um, you know, this is a game day podcast, but we're taping this on, on Tuesday as Jared is in his final day of quarantining. So I really can't ask you how the bubble has been like, because you've basically just been surrounded by your four walls in the hotel room, but just take me through the process a little bit of, you know, how things have gone with the COVID testing and everything leading up to this point, are you finally being able to get it back on the broadcast? Well, I can tell you with uh, certainty that these walls are not padded because I okay. have tried <laughs> bouncing off of them and it does hurt. Um, Good to know. <laughs> no, you know, I, I got to be honest, you know, I've, throughout this whole process, you know, back to March 11th, I, I've been trying to find perspective and find silver linings. And I, I got to say, I think while this has not been ideal, um, I got to say, being quarantined in my my small my cozy two bedroom condo in Atlanta um, for the last uh, you know five months essentially with my wife has I think kind of mentally prepared me for what this is um, so it hasn't been all that terrible and um, you know I put this out in a tweet the other day and I and I, I truly mean it um, what the NBA staff and the Disney World staff here have accomplished in the limited version that I've seen has been unbelievable. Um, you know, the service, the, you know, they're delivering three meals a day to my door. It's more food that I can ever eat. Um, the quality of food has been good. Um, you know, the, the testing, the, the, the strict rules and, and taking it seriously here. You can't go anywhere. You know, I, I have a two minute and 46 second walk each night to go get tested. Mm-hmm. I know that I've, I've timed it. Um, I have, some reporters have actually figured out how many steps it is. Um, okay. I haven't done that. I haven't gotten that far yet. Um, but um, you know, so basically the way it works is, you know, I'm in my room all day and then from, uh, six to seven Eastern, that's the window where I can walk, uh, to another building and, and get tested. And it's the, uh, the shallow nasal swab and they put a, a swab in the back of your cheek, back of your throat. And it's pretty simple. It's painless. And then, you know, the great part about it is, um, that they turn it around by the next morning. So, you know, by, by nine 30 Eastern time in the morning, I have my result and I need to get seven negative tests before I can be let out of quarantine and then go into the actual bubble, uh, which will start on, on Wednesday for me and then get ready for the game Thursday night. 
it's crazy to think about, you know, your life now inside this bubble, as you mentioned, and uh, I want to get to kind of how this changes your job here. But I do want to touch on the fact that, you know, the NBA is getting a lot of attention right now with their bubble just because of what's going on with MLB and their situation. They're trying to figure out scheduling for the next few days now with teams not wanting to play, teams can't play. And then you look at the NFL starting training camps. Um, some people are concerned about not having a bubble. What does this say about the NBA knowing that, you know, everyone is trying to figure out whether this bubble would work, and now we're getting closer and closer to Thursday, and um, knock on wood, there really hasn't been too many problems right now with the league. Yeah, and that that's not to say that there won't be uh, speed bumps ahead, and I think people are planning on on there being issues. We're, we're hoping that they're relatively minor and, and, and you keep everybody healthy. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the thoroughness with – the way the NBA went about this. And I've spoken to some people in the league office and they've told me over the last four months in planning for, for this, they've never had to work harder on anything. And, and what they've done, it, it's bearing it out. I mean, they've literally thought of everything um, and, and things that maybe they haven't thought of, they, they find solutions for. And, and what I think is really cool. And I'm sure you've seen this, um, you know, and just the other night watching Joel and AD call the, the Pelicans uh, final scrimmage game, you know, just a little bit of innovation that's being put into the broadcast to, to make the best out of what's not an ideal situation. And I think as, as Joel talked about during that broadcast the other night, you'll see even more innovation as the seeding games go along. And then I would imagine as TNT, ESPN, and all of the broadcast partners learn even more about the presentation we're putting on, we'll, we'll add more and more to it to, to enhance the viewer's experience, whether it's with you know, the, the crowd noise, whether it's with the virtual fans or the, the microphones that are under the court, microphones the players are going to be wearing. Um, so, you know, I, I think just to pull this off is, is a massive, massive undertaking. And, and it really feels like the NBA is buttoned up. Um, I really can't speak to other leagues. You know, I'm so buried in, in what goes on here in the NBA. But it just seems as if, you know, from the outside looking in, other leagues are willing to risk things that the NBA is not willing to risk. The, the health and safety of, of the players, of the coaches, of the team staff, and of anybody who's involved here is priority. And they're willing to spend a lot of money to do so. And I, I'd like to think, you know, not, not to make this a political deal, but, but I'd like to think that other layers of other companies or, or, or the government or, or just human beings alone will look at how the numbers are being suppressed here in terms of positive cases because we are wearing masks because we are social distancing because we are washing our hands because we're not only taking tests, but we're getting those tests turned around immediately. And those things are what are making our numbers so different than, you know, society's numbers outside these gates here. Yeah, absolutely. Those are some great points there. And I want to kind of touch on your job now as I guess you'll probably be going through some rehearsals as you lead into your Thursday game between the Clippers and the Lakers. But how has your job as a reporter changed in these circumstances as far as you're interacting with players, which is a little tougher for you being inside the bubble? Obviously, in-game interviews are going to be looking a lot different. Obviously, the atmosphere is going to be a whole lot different from what they've told you and what you'll be able to find out in the next couple of days. How does your job change now inside the bubble, starting with the Clippers and Lakers on Thursday? Yeah, and and I feel kind of like what I was just saying. It's going to be a feeling out process. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of things on the surface that I can tell you that are going to be different. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing as, as a reporter, and, you know, Daniel, you know this, like, you know, going to shoot-arounds or going to practices 
are different than they ever have been before because, you know, depending on the team you deal with, they will make players or coaches available before or after a practice or a shoot around. And here, you know, the number of people available to the media is, is condensed. And then they're all on these Zoom meetings, um, similar to what you and I are doing. And you're not allowed to pull anybody off to the side and have side conversations because that's, you know, putting people's health in jeopardy. And obviously that's the most important thing here. So, you know, I used to gather a lot of information or get context or perspective on a story based on just having these sidebar conversations with players or coaches. And I, I really can't do that now. Um, also, you know, the, the way we go about our interviews are going to be totally different, right? We're still working out how we're going to do those coaches interviews at the end of the first and third quarter. Um, you know, there's been a couple of different ideas kicked around. A am I going to do those interviews where there's a boom mic and we're standing far apart? Um, or are we going to put the coach on a headset and he speaks to the play-by-play -play and color analysts who are up in the arena, up about 20 or 30 rows up? Those things, you know, we're still working out logistically how that works. Um, after the game, I'll still interview a player, but again, they'll be far apart from me. Uh, we'll be wearing masks, you know, so all that's interesting. The, the one positive thing, <laughs> the one really cool aspect of this is, and this is something that I, I don't think fans care about, but us media members kind of yep. relish in this stuff, is that we go back to having the best seat in the house which has been eliminated at most NBA arenas because those are big ticket items. Right. Um, so we'll, I'll be able to sit courtside um, and, and be able to watch the best athletes in the world from, you know, five feet away from me. Uh, unlike what, what happens at, at a lot of NBA arenas where they stick you in a corner or stick you, you know, behind the basket or something like that. I can certainly appreciate that being a radio yeah. broadcaster. We're getting higher and higher up inside the arena. So you yep. got to take every courtside opportunity yep. that you can get. Let's actually talk about some basketball here. The Pelicans are in a very interesting situation with their eight games. One of the easier schedules, which was going to be their schedule for the most part, um, yep. if they were playing the final 18 games of the season, but still have a long way to go with three and a half games back of Memphis. You have Portland right next to you. And because of the odd number of games, the, the Portland-New Orleans tiebreaker gets thrown out the window. You still have Sacramento right there, San Antonio you can never count out, and, and Phoenix there. Um, when looking at this race for that final playoff spot, potentially a play-in, uh, how do the Pelicans fit into that, just knowing that you know Zion's most likely going to come back at some point, whether it is for tonight's game uh, against the Jazz or e even Saturday against the Clippers? Where do you see the Pelicans stacking up in that, that tough Western Conference for the final playoff spot? You got to be encouraged by what you saw in these three scrimmage games and, and playing those games without Zion uh, because, you know, the Pelicans, their depth look really good and some of the young players look really, really good. Um, but, you know, the X factor and, you know, it's the elephant in the room and we all know it. Um, I, as much as I love the Pelicans roster and what they have for the future, um, the only way they're making the playoffs this year, this season, is if Zion plays – in pretty much all eight of those seeding games. Um, and I don't think that's much of a secret. I think Portland's dealing with the same thing. I, you know, I wouldn't give Portland a chance if, if Lillard had been injured like he was when the season stopped on March 11th. Um, so I think it's going to be fascinating because I think, you know, Memphis was, was one of the best surprises in basketball this year. And, and, and we were hoping for that, you know, race between Ja and Zion for, for rookie of the year. And it's unfortunate that, that Zion probably just didn't get enough games under his belt. But um, now with, with a young team like Memphis, who was in a pretty decent position on March 11th, how do they 
perform under this eight-game pressure where it almost feels like it's more important not to lose than it is to win. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but for young players in the NBA, it's a, it's a mentality we see a lot that is challenging to know how to deal with on a daily basis when these eight games, even though they aren't for Memphis, they're going to feel like playoff games for them because every time Memphis loses and New Orleans or Portland wins, that pressure is going to be on. So I also think too, you know, with Portland, they look really good with, with Yusef Nurkic and Zach Collins coming back. Um, you know, Lillard missed the game the other night. I'm guessing that's more of just a precautionary thing with him than anything else because it was a third scrimmage game. But um, I think it's going to be a fascinating race. And I, I give the Pelicans as good of a shot as as anyone, you know, in terms of Portland and Memphis to get that, you know, to force that that play in game. Yeah, the first few days are going to be interesting because Portland opens up against Memphis. Of course, yeah. Pelicans open up against Utah, then the Clippers. So basically their first two games are probably the toughest ones. And then even Memphis is the third game for New Orleans um, next week. But as far as those teams like Utah and New Orleans and, or Los Angeles, you'll have a chance to cover the Clippers um, on Thursday night is how they're going to approach this situation. Because, look, they are clumped together between basically two and six, and now that home court is really not an option. I feel like there is some seeding to fight for as far as maybe avoiding teams, potentially avoiding the Lakers in the second round compared to playing them, you know, you know, early on. How does the approach go for some of these teams like Utah and Los Angeles, especially when you're looking at the Pelicans and even Portland-Memphis having to play these teams for most of their eight games, how it affects, you know, this the seeding because I feel like the, those kind of approaches could affect how their schedules play out based on you know whether they're going to really ramp people up later on in these final eight or whether they you know kind of save them for that or really get off to a good start then kind of rest them later on it's really interesting yeah and, and you know to your point like like you mentioned that the Pelicans have the, the easiest schedule and that actually you know I think may work out to be a diff more difficult schedule because the teams that are quote unquote easier to play are actually playing for something right. as opposed to like you're talking about, if you have a more difficult schedule and you're playing, you know, Lakers, Denver, Clippers, the Bucks, whatever it may be, they may take their foot off the gas pedal, you know, throughout the course of this eight games seating uh, period that we're going through because they don't necessarily need to win or feel obligated to win because they're playing for something greater. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting, but, you know, I'd I like to say, ideally, everybody goes pedal to the metal for all eight games. I, I, and, and, you know, even though I think we're dealing with human beings here and there's that nature, especially like if you're the Lakers, the Clippers or the Bucks, um, that, you know, you're going to wait to go full throttle until you get to the playoffs. But the problem is these eight games are so short and there's so much unknown, right? Like getting that chemistry back, um, how you're dealing with the surroundings, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on too mentally with people, you know, worrying about, you know, there's a reason why we're in this bubble isolated from the rest of the world, right? It's because a lot of people are getting sick and, and the virus is, is ripping through our country. Um, you know, Black Lives, Black Lives Matter movement, like people really want to make sure these players especially want to make sure they're doing right by their communities. And there's a lot of, you know, with all the social justice going on, they want to make sure that, that their head is 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 doing what their heart is telling them to do but also they have a job to do so how do you balance all of that yeah. I and mean, this is stuff like i think sports psychologists 20 years from now are going to talk about this being like wow this is the most incredible thing ever um and 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 that's not even to mention like okay yeah we saw guys play for you know three games or two games however many games people played in the scrimmages 
but that doesn't give us a good indication of what type of shape their bodies are in after, you know, ramping up for 60 games, shutting down for four months, and then turning it back up to the heat yep. of a season. You know, I, I'm not sure how it's going to play out. Yeah, plus the recovery process, you know, not every team has, or none of the teams probably have everything that they really want that's at their facility as well. It's yeah. going to be interesting. Um, before I let you go here, I did want to touch on, I know the Pelicans have the Jazz on Thursday night, but they do have the Clippers on Saturday. So I know you will have Clippers and Lakers, but as far as the Clippers, I've gone through a little bit of a roller coaster ride in the last couple of weeks with the whole Lou Williams situation. Pat Beverly was out of the bubble. He is now back. Still really haven't heard, and this again taping this on Tuesday, about Montrez Harrell and some of their other guys, but it seems like the Clippers are in this, this kind of going through a wide range of emotions right now, just trying to get all their guys healthy and ready to go come Thursday and Saturday. I've had six different guys either arrive late or arrive and then leave and come back. And you're right. We have, we have no idea as of this taping who is a going to be available on Thursday night and B who they're going to choose to play because much like what the Pelicans are going through with Zion, just because you're cleared, well, that doesn't mean the team wants to throw you right back in after you've been in this hotel room where you can't do much, much physical exercise for a period of days. So the, the one weird twist to this with the Clippers that may work out for them is that they've kind of gone through this the entire season. They've only had, you know, just over a dozen games where their full roster has actually been together. You know, they've, they've played a lot of games with Kawhi missing, you know, when he's doing his load management or dealing with a, a knee issue. Uh, Paul George has missed games. Um, you know, uh, they, they, they've had a lot of games missed, plus they've added guys. So they're kind of used to this flux of, you know, who's in, who's out. And ultimately, their talent, they, they're hoping, can win out. They've got a bunch of professionals on that roster. But, you know, it, it comes down to, I, I've always felt, you've got to be able to know you can flip the switch. And a team like the Clippers hasn't proven yet that they can because as a unit, they've never had to do it before. So we'll see how it comes together. But it, it's going to be a going to be a wild ride to watch and I'm, I'm just excited to have basketball back yeah and how excited is it going to be that you'll have day games to watch you know for two weeks you know we're well, actually it's going to be like day basketball we haven't witnessed that in a long time unless it's a rare weekend game well that's what saved my quarantine here because of all the scrimmages you know eastern time the games have started around noon eastern here so I've literally had basketball to watch from noon till about midnight every night and, like, I've watched every second of every scrimmage. So, like, that, that's all I've done here in my quarantine because, like I said, I get, I get, like, five minutes out a day, and that's just to right. go get tested. So I've just been sitting in this room right here and watching hoop all day. And, uh, you know, that, it's going to be cool rolling into the regular season. I think, I think the viewership's going to show. I think a lot there's going to be a lot of interest. And, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. Yeah, we're looking forward to you on the call for the doubleheader again. Jared Greenberg will be on with Lakers and Clippers. will be on with Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller. Um, that will be at 8 p.m. Central Time. Jared, I really appreciate the time. Hopefully everything goes well with the end of your Thank quarantine. You. You'll go run and <laughs> scream and shout outside. And uh, hope to talk to you down the road, but best of luck on your first broadcast on Thursday. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me, and good luck to the Pelicans. It'll be fun to watch them out there. All right, big thanks to Jared Greenberg for stopping by. He'll be on the call for the second game of the TNT doubleheader between the Clippers and the Lakers. And again, we talked about Zion Williamson. This was recorded on Tuesday. Right now, though, Thursday morning, Zion Williamson, a game-time decision tonight, which means you'll want to log on to pelicans.com or follow them on Twitter at PelicansNBA for Alvin Gentry's media availability, as that's where we'll likely find out if Zion will play tonight against the Utah Jazz. Seeding game number one, 530. Here we go.
If you want to watch it on TV, Fox Sports New Orleans will have it for you. Pre-game coverage starting at 5. Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels, and Jen Hale will have the call. And then on the radio side, one hour's worth of programming leading up to tip-off as well. We'll have Pelicans Weekly at 4.30, hosted by Todd Graffinini as he sits down exclusively with Nicole O'Malley. And then at 5 o'clock, I'll have Pelicans warm-up for you, pre-game show, and then 5.30 as well. Nationally, if you're not in the area, you can also watch it on TNT, but also a great way to watch it. And the cool down and fuel of the summer. Try the new hydration smoothie at Smoothie King. Blended with non-GMO whole fruits and electrolytes. Choose from mango, pineapple, or watermelon. Visit Smoothie King or order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hope you all rule the day as well. Hope the Pelicans rule the day tonight. Again, hope you can join us on television or on the radio. And we'll talk to you again next week. Hopefully talking about a bevy of Pelicans wins. For Jared Greenberg, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.